And we're also going to go ahead and continue that. Pastor Chris will be ministering along those same lines uh, next Sunday as well. So, so this two-week series is going to be inspired by the, the teaching of Pastor Robert Morris. Uh, but of course, you know, you're going to go ahead and get it personalized and customized in, in the way that God would do it through us to you. Amen. And uh, we're so excited about all the good things God's got going on. Let me tell you this, uh, with the upcoming concert on uh, March 14, uh, some of you that might think, well, I've not heard of these guys. Um, uh, one thing I can tell you, uh, Jordan Felice, uh, the, you know, he, he's going to go, he's got some groove to him. He's got some groove to him. He, he, he's got, he's got the hook, you know, when the music has the hook, yeah, he got the hook, you know, he got, got some soul in his music, uh, uh, I've enjoyed him, uh, uh, I know, I know my daughters enjoyed him very much, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, several years back, my, my daughter and I had, uh, uh, t-shirts made that both said, can I get a witness? If you, if you know one of his songs, you know that's one of his songs, so. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and so I, I tell you, if you've not heard these guys, check them out. Uh, Colton Dixon was on American Idol at one point in time. And, uh, but, but these, these guys love God. They're singing for the Lord and, uh, uh got a real, real good sound. So the, believe me, this is good stuff. Come. <laughs> get your ticket. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, hey, let's get into the word today. Are you ready? Praise God. Uh, you know, as we get into this topic of the blessed life, uh, I, I want to let you know that it's, uh, uh, th- this, we're, we're going to go ahead and cover uh, things related to finances in this. We're going to go ahead and uh, talk about uh, issues regarding uh, the, 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 the giving of your tithes to the Lord, 10%, giving offerings as well. But the thing is, is that the idea of the blessed life is not just all wrapped up in, in giving money, even though that's a big part of it, the, the blessed life is really a heart matter. The heart is the start. Woo! The heart is the start. So, you know, if your heart's on course, then, then you'll be good for your destination. But if your, if your heart's off course and you keep on going and keep on going, you get further and further away from your destination as you go. Someone once said, if you, if you, if you left from Boston to go to L.A., and you're just off course a little bit, and then you wonder why you end up in Mexico City. The problem was that you were just off course a little bit when you started. But the further you go and the further you go, the more you get off course. So having your heart set straight right in the beginning is so important because then no matter how far you go, you keep on going straight. You keep on going straight. And that's how you get to your destination. Praise the Lord. So let's go ahead and dig into some of this today, because I got a lot to tell you in one Sunday. Woo! So like, like Joshua told the sun to stand still, I might have to tell the clock to stand still today, you know what I mean? Luke chapter 6, verse 37, we'll start there. Uh, Jesus is speaking here. He says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Given, it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, Jesus is talking about the laws of sowing and reaping. He says that you won't reap a certain thing if you haven't sowed or planted it. And he's also saying that you will get the seed that you, that you planted multiplied back to you. Whether it's good or bad. Now that should put the fear of God in somebody here. You know, I, I, it, we're, because a lot of times we, we get, get excited about the idea of sowing and reaping. But if you're only going to go ahead and reap something good in your life, if you sowed something good in your life. So the kind of seed that you're putting out there is so very important. You don't want to be sowing judgment. Because you don't want other people judging you. 
And besides that, there's going to come a day when we stand before the judge. I want to set myself up good for that day. I'd, I'd rather let somebody off the hook here, sowing some good seed for the time when I stand before the judge. I want to sow some mercy here, sow some forgiveness here, because I need mercy and forgiveness. And in the same way, it's a universal law, sowing and reaping. God, uh, once the, the, the ark of Noah landed on, on the mountains of Ararat, God made the statement. He said that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter, summer, and day and night shall not cease. So it's God's universal law, sowing and reaping. The apostle Paul put it like this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And keep this in mind, talking about sowing and reaping. Whenever you plant a seed, in any sense of the word, you know, whether it's a planting a seed of kindness or, or, or planting a seed of uh, anything else you can think of, negative or positive, you don't just get one seed back in the return. What you get back is a plant or a tree with even more seeds in it. Which is why you need to exercise caution about what you're sowing. Because you don't want to plant something. Uh, you don't want to plant something that you don't want coming back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So you want to plant the kind of stuff that you won't mind if it came back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. You know, uh, we know that we will reap what we sow. Jesus actually took the same principle and worded it a different way when it comes to uh, our relationships. He said, whatever you would that men do to you, do you even so to them? called the golden rule. Oftentimes it's said like this, do unto others as you'd have others do unto you. Of course, we've messed that one up and have usually done do unto others before they do unto you. Oh, Lordy. But what is that? Once again, it's another expression of the universal principle of sowing and reaping. Let's talk about three things today. We want to talk about the heart of the giver, the test of the giver, and the priority of the giver. Come on now. The heart, the test, and the priority of the giver. First of all, talking about the heart of the giver, this is huge. Because God does not simply bless giving. God blesses giving that's done from the right heart attitude. And he doesn't want your giving to be grievous. He doesn't want you to grieve over your giving. Like, you give it, and then you say, no, and it's too late to get it back. God don't want you giving, and then, and then say, why did I do that? No, not grievous giving, but, but cheerful giving. You know, the Paul said in 2 Corinthians, uh, the ninth chapter, uh, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. As a matter of fact, the, the Amplified Classic says it well. It says that God does not want us to give reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, but God wants us to, to give joyously with a prompt-to-do-it attitude. That means, God, you said do it, we're going to do it. Act now, think about it later when it comes to God's command, when it comes to doing something you know God wants you to do. You think about it, you talk yourself out of it. You know how it goes. So I love that prompt to do it. Hey, and then along with that, it says that, 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 that you're doing it with your heart in your giving. You're putting your heart in what you're doing. You're putting your heart into it when you give. Hallelujah. You can tell where a person's heart is by looking at their spending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. What do you treasure or count valuable? Are you with me? 
Whatever you treasure account valuable, that's where you put your money. That's where your heart is. Jesus said it. The, where, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Isn't that right? And then he also said, if you love me, keep my commandments, which tells us this, that whether or not a person gives to God what is rightfully his is a matter of love. Talking about having the right heart, right? Whether or not a person gives to God that which is rightfully is, is a matter of love. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, you do what I say. So when the Lord has a person's heart, you know what else he's got? When the Lord has your heart, the Lord has your wallet. When the Lord has your heart, he's got every part of you. When the Lord has your heart, there is nothing that he would ask for that you would not willingly give to him because he has your heart. So tithing and giving is a matter of the heart. When you're doing it right, you're doing it God's way. Because some people, you know, uh, you know we've had traditional uh, giving in churches across America and across the world, uh, you've got the, 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 the bucket plunkers. You know what I'm saying? That's when they're giving something that you can actually hear when it, when it hits the bottom. So, so here's the thing. It, it, it's better at offering time when, when it's like real quiet because that means that there's paper hitting the bottom. If it's real loud at that time, that's because there's too many pennies and dimes hitting the bottom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but hey, when we talk about having a, a heart, the true heart of a giver, well, well, one thing that we really got to see is that we need to have a steward's heart. A steward's heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. And look at some of the things that God says here about giving. He said, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put uh, your hand. So the Lord said here, and, and this is talking about a steward's heart, that, that you should not be grieved when you give. Now, I know my lovely wife is back in the sound booth today. I want to see that word grieve as I gave it to her earlier today. So you see, inside the word grieve is also the word give. You see that? So that means if you give and you add an R-E to it, then you get the word grieve. Well, what's the R-E? Well, a lot of time it's resentment and envy. So you give and then you resent giving or you say, well, I should have kept that for myself. I could do something better with it than they could do with it. What do you add into the give? You add an R and E, resentment and envy. Of course, you look, look at it another way. If you add an E and an R to give, then your heart may have to go to heaven's ER. Hey, <laughs> you may need a heart check. You may need to get checked up in heaven's ER if you're going to add an E and R to giving. You don't want your giving to be grieving. As a matter of fact, this is very important. Listen, listen, listen. A person's heart. No, actually, let me say it like this. A person grieves when giving because of the false notion that they're the owner of what they gave. A person grieves when giving because of the false notion that they're the owner of what, what they gave rather than merely being the steward of it. And what's a steward? A steward is one who manages or looks after another's property. So if you think of yourself as being a steward, hey, then you realize that what you've got is actually not yours God has blessed you with something that you are managing and looking after. Hey, hallelujah. And you won't grieve 
when you realize that you're giving to the Lord what belongs to the Lord. And then when it comes to tithing, and just to define our terms, the word tithe means tenth. So when it comes to tithing or giving a tenth of your income to the Lord, people only struggle with it when they're thinking that they're giving to the Lord something that belongs to them. Then it's like, you know, it's like, I'll try to let it go. Here's, here comes the offering container and I got my envelope in my hand. And that, that last minute thought, oh boy, I'm thinking about all the stuff that I could possibly do with that. But when it comes to tithing, you only struggle with it when you think that you're giving to the Lord something that belongs to you. When you realize that you're returning to the Lord what already belongs to him, it's a whole lot easier to go ahead and do what the song says. Let it go, let it go. All right, come on now. First Chronicles 29, let's get back in the spirit. Here we go. First Chronicles 29. These are the words of David. Now, now listen to this. David is, uh, all the people are receiving one of the biggest offerings ever taken. And it's for the building of the temple in Jerusalem that David is not having the privilege of building because he shed a whole lot of blood. But God said to him that his son Solomon would build it. But, but David is giving himself and all the people gathered together and getting in on this big offering to build the most amazing, amazing house of God. The temple of God in Jerusalem is built by Solomon. It says, both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? Now, listen, for all things come from you and of your own, we have given you. Are you with me? Of your own, we have given you. So in reality, when you're giving to the Lord, uh, when, when, when you are uh, bringing your, your tithe before him, and yes, I'll say it, even when you're bringing your offering before him, you are not giving him something that belongs to you. You are giving him that which is his own. See, we understand that the tithe absolutely belongs to the Lord, but then besides that, you know, if you give God access to all that you've got, <laughs> where he's got say-so in all that you've got, I got to tell you, you got a good financial partner there. You, you think, what's God going to do, try to drain my bank account? No, God's not looking to, to bankrupt you. God's looking to, to, uh, uh, to cause you to, to increase and to grow and, and to, to, to excel. But the, the, he can't do something for you that he doesn't have access to. But when we realize and have the heart, the Lord, anything I've got is yours and you have access to it. And when I give it back to you, I'm giving back to you of your very own. Whoa, imagine what God can do when he's got access. So all the situations where we've had where the, the, the Lord's not had access, we know how that turns out. It doesn't turn out well. Come on now. So have this heart. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. Jesus summed it up real well when he said, Render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, and unto God the things that belong to God. And understand this, God, God wants his stewards to do well. God's not opposed to his, his stewards being well off financially, but God is opposed to covetousness and the love of money. Covetousness and the love of money. Yes, yeah, some people experience quote unquote success by going the route of the love of money and stepping on anybody that gets in their way. And they don't just keep up with the Joneses, they drive right by the Joneses in the fast lane. 
and, and they do so many things to try to go ahead and quote unquote get ahead. But the Bible says that if you take the route of the love of money, you pierce yourself through with many sorrows. Yeah, you got a pretty good bank account. Where's your wife at? Where's your kids at? Why are you drowning yourself, trying to drown your sorrows? You've pierced yourself through with many sorrows. But the, the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. So comparing those two verses together, and I, I know I've shared this before, I, I've always had this image of the, the, the waiter or the waitress, the server at the restaurant, and said, how would you like your riches today, with or without the sorrow? <laughs> to which I would reply, I much prefer mine without the sorrow. Well, there's only one way to get that. If you take the route of the love of money and covetousness, that will bring sorrow. But if you take God's route and the blessing of the Lord and allowing yourself to live your life and get into the uh, spout where, where heaven can pour out on you. You know, the old timers said, get under the spout where the glory comes out. You know, you, you get under the place where the influence of God can be upon your life and the blessing of God can be on your life. Woo, glory to God. There you get blessing, but you don't have any sorrow added to it. Amen. Jesus said you can't serve God in money. So rather than being a servant to money, as a lot of people have been, serve God with your money. And you don't have to have a whole lot to get started doing that because you can start doing that right where you are. I said you can start doing that right where you are. Don't be a servant to money. Serve God with your money. I love a verse in Psalm 35 that said, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. How about you favoring his righteous cause, favoring the cause of the kingdom, allowing his priorities to be your priorities. Amen. Well, that's a steward's heart. When we talk about the heart of the giver, let's go on. How about a grateful heart? You know, God is generous. And we are born again generous. When you were born the first time, you may not have been generous the first time. You know, we're talking about two births, you know, when you were born and then when you are born again. Jesus said that except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen. So, so the, the idea of being born again generous, that means that now you've, as a son of God, you've got his DNA in you. As a son of God or a daughter of God, you, you are a partaker of the divine nature. And generosity is his nature. So there, there might have been a time where when it came to giving, you were like T-Rex, you know what I'm saying? hey. hey. I, I, I really want to, but with my little arms, I can't reach my wallet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, but thank God. Thank God. You've been delivered from your T-Rex arms today. <laughs> so Deuteronomy 15. Let's take a look at this. Now, keep this in mind. Generosity is connected to gratitude. And part of having a, uh, being generous, God wants us to have grateful hearts. God wants us to give with this in mind. So, Deuteronomy 15. You shall, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. You shall remember, as you're doing this kind of giving, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. I got to tell somebody today that when you have an appreciation for your redemption, when we look back and remember where we were and the mess that we were and how we were a mess going somewhere to happen and God redeemed us 
And God did for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get happy, you get grateful. And as an expression of that gratefulness, you say, Lord, you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? So giving becomes the expression of a grateful heart because you know, I once was a slave. I once was in Egypt. You may have never been over by the Nile River, but you've had your version of Egypt. And to be able to say, Lord, you've redeemed me. You brought me out when I could see no way out. Saved me when I couldn't save myself or see any possible way of being saved. And here I am today, so far away, so far removed from an old life, so far removed from bondages that I thought I couldn't ever escape from. I am grateful. And I give to you out of a grateful heart. You know, we're not going to go there, but Deuteronomy 8 also talks about remembering the Lord. It says, remember the Lord your God because it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. The realization that, Lord, even the ability that I have to go ahead and bring in wealth into my house, I can't do that without you. I remember you because even the ability to do it, the ability to work, the ability to think, the ability to process information and have skills. These aren't my skills. These aren't my gifts. It's not because I'm cute and talented. God gave me the gifts. So even the means by which I can give, even the means by which I earn what I can give, God is solely responsible for it. I didn't give it to myself. God gave it to me. Hallelujah. How about this? Be even more excited about the giving part than the receiving part. I know that make your head go to help. But but go, go ahead and flow with me on this. Be even more excited about the giving part than the receiving part. What did Jesus say? These are words that Jesus spoke that actually aren't even recorded in the four Gospels. Of course, you remember that John said at the end of his Gospel that there were also many other things which Jesus did that did not get recorded. One of those things that Jesus said that did not have a mention in the four Gospels, happens to be mentioned in the book of Acts. And it's this verse right here. Acts 20, 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Someone say, more blessed to give than to receive. The Passion Translation of that says giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. Now, it's not that receiving is not a blessing. That's not what the verse said. Read carefully. It's not that receiving is not a blessing, but that giving is the greater blessing. It is more blessed. More blessed. So to receive is blessed. But to be able to give, more blessed. Are you with me? How many of you want some of that more blessed? Yeah. Well, you can experience that by allowing the Lord to flow through you in this area of giving. You know, Hebrews 13, 16 says this, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You know, um, there's times where... uh, uh, something may even be a sacrifice. There, there, there's something where you, you might have had plans for, for uh, certain money that, that you had uh, and the, the Lord redirect your plans. Oh, don't look at me like that now. You know, I, I thought I was a generous person. And then I met my wife. And my wife Schooled me on generosity, let me tell you. And uh, one thing that that has been fun to watch, and uh, you know, we we don't do it every week, but we we like to go out for for breakfast when we can. And uh, of course, breakfast is one of my favorite meals. Of course, you really only have 
two others to choose from, but, <laughs> but I love breakfast. I, anybody hangs around me knows that. But, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I remember just, just sitting with her on multiple occasions, and, and you see that she gets that, that glisten, that, that gleam in her eye, and it's like, all right, okay, I know God's talking to her now. What's up? We're buying breakfast for somebody today. It's just a matter of who it's going to be. And, you know, sometimes in my mind, and, and you know, there's a bean counter in every house. So, uh, you, you, you know, there's, uh, you know, the first thought is, okay, this was earmarked for this and this was earmarked for that. And, and now is the point where, where, where the Lord starts messing with us. And, and all right, Lord, we're going to have to readjust our earmarks. You, you understand this, right? We're going to have to go ahead and uh, uh, let, let's say we were going to do uh, $100 on groceries. We might be doing 75 or 70 on groceries. But the thing is, is that, uh, and a beautiful thing that I love about my wife is her, her uh, uh, quick to obey. When, 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 when God talks to her about giving to somebody, it's like, move out the way. That girl's going to give. She'll knock you over on the way to give to you. You know what I mean? She's going to give. But, uh, uh, you, you know, it's interesting. And, of course, husbands and wives can commonly relate to this. Uh, you know, when it comes to being generous with each other, um, it's like uh, I'll be generous with, with lots of things. But, but uh, uh, if, if, like, if you want your own fries, uh, uh and your your wife would say, "Oh no, I have to have some of yours." <laughs> Come on now, that'd be a good test of faith. Like, honey, I, I should get you your own. <laughs> oh no, I don't want to eat all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As I said before, can I get a witness? Huh? But of course, one thing in my house that I don't like sharing, I don't like sharing my hairbrush. You know what I'm saying? Now, we're not talking about toothbrushes. I mean, that'd be nasty. But a hairbrush, you know, I mean, it's a little, a little more sane anyway. Uh, uh, but, but, but the thing is, is that I, and, and the girls know that I'm just so particular that, that I, I like everybody having their own hairbrush. Uh, I don't want to go and have to clean out my hairbrush before I use it, you know? <laughs> Or, or, or sometimes I, I, I forget to clean it out. And so I, I, you know, got all the fresh gel in there and everything's tight and right, you know. And so I'm just going to brush through one more time. And then I look and I say, how did I get this like partial weave on this side? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Something don't feel right. What's that? Where did that come from? <laughs> all right. J- just a little picture in my world this morning. Y'all pray for me, all right? <laughs> But one thing that's so important, you got to have a heart with no strings attached. Come on now. We're talking about the heart of a giver. Have a heart with no strings attached. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. Let love be your motive for giving. Let love, the love of God, be your motive for giving. Otherwise, you got a situation like this. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You could possibly be the most generous person on earth, giving everything you have to feed the poor. But what is this about? This is about the heart. Let love be your motive behind everything that you do. Amen. All right. Well, we can say many other things about a heart with no strings attached. We'll skip over Luke 14. For now, but uh, one one thing I want to say real quick and just kind of hit and run with this, but some some people will only give to the church if they can control the pastor. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but it's out there. Some people will only give if they got some say-so in things. If they don't have say-so, if you go crosswise with them, well, I'm pulling out my money. But when you're doing this with the right heart, there's no strings attached. And beware of giving with a cynical heart. 
or just having a cynical heart, not giving at all. Now, a lot of times you've heard, well, that preacher's only out for my money. There are some who are out for your money, but not all. So I want to say to you today that you can use discernment without being cynical. You can use discernment without being cynical. Because, you know, hey, you know, there's, there's people that, that have a wrong heart, uh, that, that, that are rotten to the core, so to speak, that, that do all kinds of jobs in this world. Cops, lawyers, politicians. You know, you might have just assumed that they're all bad, but there's a few good ones out there. But even with ministers, you know, there's some that do what they do out of a genuine heart of love and some that they do for, for, for the sake of uh, uh, greed, for, for the sake of controlling people, for, for all kind of wrong moves. But in every way, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So don't have a cynical heart. As a matter of fact, let me put it to you like this. And I say this with all sincerity before you and before God. I'm a tither. My wife and I are tithers. So therefore, when I tell other people to tithe, I don't have to worry about practice what you preach. Because I'm preaching what I already practice. And I can do that confidently, knowing that I do that. And here's the thing. Also, a, a test of the sincerity of that statement is that if I was talking to the person who went to the church on the other side of town, you know what I tell them to do there in their local church? I tell them to tithe. I would never see a dime of their tithe. Them tithing to that church on the other side of town would never pay my paycheck, would never do anything to benefit me personally, would never do anything to benefit this house personally. But you know what? Why would I tell them to do it? I tell them to do it because it's right. Amen. Let's look at Paul's motive behind giving. Paul's motive behind why he would uh, encourage people to give. And when, when they did give, uh, his heart towards them and his response toward them. Philippians 4, let's take a look at this real quick. Start with verse 15. It said, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. We're going to stop right there. And I say to you today, we're not seeking a gift. The very reason why we are ministering this to you today is not because of any other motive, but the desire to see fruit abounding to your account. And I want you to know today that our heart behind this is the very same heart that the Apostle Paul had to see fruit abound to your account. Amen. Amen. Well, time's just running too fast today. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you think so. I think so. <laughs> but let's talk about the test of the giver. Malachi 3. Malachi 3. We'll start with verse 6. We read about six or seven verses here. God speaking. He said, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. 
nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That's a mouthful. That's big. What's the test for us? Jesus summed it up pretty well in these following words. Over in Luke 16, reading 11 and 12 out of the New Living, he said, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Someone say, it's a test. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Well, you need to be found trustworthy when it comes to worldly wealth so that you can go ahead and be uh, trusted with the real goods. The real goods. The true riches of heaven. And you need to be faithful with what belongs to somebody else. And when you understand stewardship, then you understand that what you have is not yours. What you have truly belongs to the Lord. And if you're faithful with what belongs to him, then he can trust you. I want God to be able to trust me. I want God to be able to trust me. Hallelujah. You know, one of the big tests here is, uh, and we've all been there in one way or the other, um, bottom line is that you start tithing first before you can afford to tithe. You know, you do your math, you get out your calculator, work it out and say, how's this going to work? But, but if you just waited to figure out how it's going to work, you just keep on waiting and waiting and waiting. Say, uh, I, I need to wait for when it's not a rainy day. And you know what happens? It keeps raining. So you start tithing first before you can afford, afford to tithe. See, a lot of people have held out because of fear. You know, fear that you're going to have money at the end of the month, not month at the end of the money, or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? More, most people fear they're going to have month at the end of the money and no money at the end of the month. But you see, tithing is an act of faith. And one thing about faith, faith gets tested. Faith gets tested. Ain't no way around it. Happened to Father Abraham way back then. Happened to everybody else ever since. Faith gets tested. Oh, yeah, you think you believe that? We'll see how much you really believe that. Your faith will be tested. But when the genuineness of your faith is tested by fire and passes the test, the scripture says it's found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Come on. Pass the test. Let your faith pass the test. Don't let fear get you to hold back and hold on to something that is not yours. But let faith release you to give to God that which is rightfully his. And you'll be amazed at how God's math works in your favor, even when you do the math and it says, well, it does not compute. I don't know how this is going to happen. But ask somebody who is a tither how many times in their life where it looked like, well, the numbers ain't going to work. And somehow, somehow, and do I have a witness in this house today? That somehow you ended up on top. You don't even know how. It doesn't even make sense. Whether it was the unexpected something or, or, or you know, it just worked out where, did, did I do my math wrong? Did I miscompute something? How did I end up with extra when I was so sure I was going to have less? You just let God do the math for you. Come on now. Ties with faith in his character. The fact that he's not trying to hurt you, he's trying to help you. And that God never designed tithing or giving for you to decrease. God never designed 
tithing or giving for you to decrease, but rather for you to increase. Come on now. And when it comes to tithing, one, one thing that's really interesting is that, uh, you know, oftentimes people have said, well, tithing was just under the law. But then you've got situation of uh, Abraham, many years before the law, giving tithe to Melchizedek. And here we are today, and you know who our priest is? Jesus, who's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So you got Abraham giving his tithes to this priest named Melchizedek. And what do we do today? We give our tithes to Jesus, a priest forever, the scripture says, after that same order. But if you want to see the principle of tithing even further back than Abraham, take a look at this. God said you have access to all the trees in the garden. You can eat from all the trees of the garden, but don't eat from that one. See, can't touch this was around before MC Hammer was around. <laughs> now, I can't do that move right now, you know. But, but before there was hammer time, God said, can't touch this. God said, you got access to all the trees. But then he pointed to one and said, can't touch this. You know, what, what did God say? God said, you know, all the ones that come after, that's all right. But the firstborn, the firstborn of the flock, can't touch this. Because the firstborn is mine. The first fruits is mine. Come on. Let's go ahead and we'll skip down to Romans 11. I'll call for it in just a minute. But one one thing people would ask, how can I do better with 90% than 100%? How is that possible? You don't have to worry about that. You just have to trust God and know that God knows how to get it done. Because you say, okay, how can I get more out of $90 than I could get out of $100? Doesn't make sense. Romans eleven 16. I'm going to read it to you out of the NIV. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If the first fruits, the first tenth of what comes in is holy, and you 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 bring it to God, and you let God get involved in that tenth, what happens? If God gets involved in the tenth, then God gets involved in the other 90. If the first fruits is holy, the whole batch is holy. So you need to understand this about God, that if you are giving to him the very first fruits of what's coming into your house, the first tenth of what's coming into your house, then if you get him involved with that, then he's involved with that other 90% as well. And knows how to make that 90% stretch further than the 100% would have gone by itself. And I got to tell you, any day of the week, I'd rather have 90% with a blessing than 100% with a curse. Come on now. Now, it's interesting. Oh, so many things we could say. I have to. Pass over a few things. One thing that God said in that passage in Malachi that we read, he said, try me now in this. Because it's not just a test for you. This is the one place in scripture where he said you can test him. And you might say, I just can't see how this is going to work. And you know what God says? Try me. Try me. 
He said, I just can't see how there's ever going to be enough left over. And you know what God says? Go ahead. Make my day. (laughs) Try him. Put him to the test. Because let me tell you something this morning. On Sunday morning, February 18th, let me make a bold declaration. God does not fail test. You might have got kicked out the third grade. But let me tell you, God does not fail test. You might have... Uh, uh, miss getting 4.0 by, by one little thing that, that you, you messed up on. But God does not fail tests. And if you put him to the test in this area, he will truly pass the test. And the bottom line is the priority of the giver. That when you give to the Lord, you're giving to him not after everything else is done, but you're giving it to him first. We're going to skip down to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Second fruits? Third fruits? Fourth fruits? First fruits. With the first fruits of all your increase. What will happen to you? Verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Glory to God. Can you handle one more verse? Okay, can I put the the, the whipped cream and the cherry on top right now? Let's skip over Matthew 6, go to 1 Kings 17. Glory to God forever. 1 Kings chapter 17. This is about the prophet Elijah. We'll start reading there with verse 10. But pay attention to this, because we're talking about the priority of the giver. To give to God first. So he, that being Elijah, arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, He called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That means this is it. You've heard of the bottom of the barrel. This was the bottom of the barrel. There was only enough left for her to be able to have a last meal with her son. And what's the prophet's response? Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it First, someone say first, and bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So here they are in the middle of this drought. No rain for a long period of time. And she's about to fix the last meal. But what happens there? Glory to God forever. Listen to this. The man of God says, yeah, you can go ahead and fix something for you and your son. But first, and you think, wow, how dare he do such a thing? You think how rude and insensitive that preacher is. But wait a minute. He's not speaking on his own behalf. He's speaking on behalf of the Lord here. First, make me a little cake. And then afterwards, do for you and your son. What would we do? We'll see if we got any leftovers. I'll go ahead and fix something for me and my son and see if we got any leftovers. 
But the Lord says that if you put him first, forget about leftovers. It's just not going to run out. That's what God said. Until the day rain falls on this land again, there's going to be pl- plenty, of, uh, plenty of flour in your flour jar and plenty of oil in the oil jar. See the priority of giving. When we don't give God second, third, or we'll see what we have left, or, you know, giving God leftovers. But to honor God with the first fruits. And Proverbs said it well. When you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your presses burst out with new wine. God will see to it. Despite what your calculator said, God's calculator overrules our calculator. And he knows how to bless us. Have a heart of a giver. A heart of love. A heart to bless people. A heart to let God flow through you to people. Pass the test of the giver. And have the right priority of the giver by keeping God first. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Forgive me for going a little bit long today. We combined three lessons into one, so, whoo, mercy. I had, to, I had to work fast today, but would you stand with us today? I know that this was a different service today, but I know God's in here working and talking to people, stirring people's hearts. And I got to tell you, he loves you so much. If you need prayer for anything, if you need to know Jesus, you don't know Jesus, but you, you know as you've been here today, man, whatever these people got, I want it. You know, we're going to have people here available to you that can pray for you uh, right here down in the front after service. Uh, you, you need prayer for anything else, f- please feel free, come and, and, and uh, c- come down if you need prayer. We'd be glad to be able to pray with you today. But also want to let you know that, uh, you know, uh, you can hear this and, you know, s- some of you might have said, well, I think my report card's pretty good. And some of you might have said, oh boy, I've got stuff I need to work on. But, but you know what? Here's the thing. The Lord loves you. And the Lord is so kind and gracious. And we'll start with you right where you're at. You, you don't have to suddenly advance to this level or this level. God will start working with you right where you're at. And one step after another after another, bring you to everywhere you need to go in him and in your life in him. He will bless you, but most importantly, he will make you a blessing. Amen. That's really the blessed life. Praise God. Please know how loved you are today. We're going to go ahead and sing a beautiful song here as we go today, but know how loved you are. We treasure Well, thank you for tuning in today on Faith Christian Center. We uh, trust that you've got a lot of things out of this. Uh, A message that was brought today that is uh, not one of our typical messages, but just as equally vitally important in our Christian walk. Uh, It is pretty much this week and next week called The Blessed Life. And it's, it's really getting to a place of at a higher level knowing God more through obedience and, and the law of sowing and reaping. And certainly as Pastor Ray talked today about uh, giving and tithes and offerings. And next week we're going to get into more about that blessed life lifestyle as well too. About what he talked about today is also at roots and comes from the heart. So again, we trust you got something out of it today. Don't miss next week too. It's a building block of these two messages uh, this week and next week. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit knows where you are. He knows where each and every one of us are as it relates to our relationship with God and certainly this topic of our heart and giving and being obedient. And we just trust through this week until next week that the Holy Spirit begins to uh, talk to you and minister to you about what was spoken about today and just finding great things and truth in His Word 
about giving and the heart of giving as well too. If you need prayer during the week, uh, you feel free to call our office. A pastor can pray to, with you. Uh, the phone number I believe is on the screen or it's 508-336-4110. And also we encourage you to visit our website at facecenter.com. There's a lot of great things on there that you can find more information about us. But I'd also encourage you if you live in the Seekonk area in the Providence County, Bristol County, we would encourage you to actually come out to one of our live services here. We'd love to shake your hand, love to give you a hug and greet you. And uh, for more information on our address, you can find that on our website. If I can just end in prayer as we close out today, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for those who have viewed this message today. Lord, we believe it's inspired, encouraged, and challenged them to learn to go greater in you, Father God, a step up in a lifestyle of living a blessed life. Father, meet us where we are, as you always do, Lord, and through your love, encourage us and bring us along to where you are calling us to be. Father God, thank you for loving us. Continue to meet our needs as you see and as as we face our week ahead, knowing that we are loved and that we are called to share your love through us to other people that need it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday night or next Sunday. Blessings.